so our long international nightmare is over, and you have published a new YouTube video. Oh, it's like, what, are, what are you talking about? What international nightmare? Well, you know, it's not a national nightmare. Everybody suffers. Oh, right. Right. The whole globe. Yep. Everyone has been waiting. Um, I actually looked, I took a look at the dates today. Mm -hmm. The previous video was posted on the 11th of November, 2016. Mm -hmm. And then you followed it up on the 29th of March, 2017. So mm -hmm. you got it in just under the five-month mark there. You're very close to that. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. You're back. You've returned from your hiatus. Well, I published a video. We can say that. Yeah, this has been a very long time, though. You know, I mean, we've, we've touched on that in previous episodes. So mm -hmm. I'm pleased to see that you got over the hump. Uh, yes. As, as always, I think no one is more pleased than I am. Yeah. Uh. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> very important that you're able to continue to do this. You know, that, that, is, <laughs> that is important to you mostly. It's also important to the people around you, I guess, mm -hmm. that, that you're mm -hmm. able to continue doing the thing that you should be doing. Um, mm -hmm. I very much enjoyed spending some time in the Reddit thread for that video. Mm-hmm. There was lots of great jokes in there um, from Cortex and Hello Internet listeners, you know, about how you're a professional podcaster who makes YouTube videos now. It's my favorite thing. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that is your favorite thing, Mike. I can see, I can see why you would like that. Uh -huh. You'd, you'd like, like to change the, the frame of this. Mm -hmm. But uh, as always with this stuff, I always like to promote the Reddit thread because I feel like for things that i see on the internet i'm always aware like oh the conversation about the thing can often be more enjoyable than the thing itself and so that's why i always like to really promote that reddit thread because i know that experience that it's like watching a thing and then joking about it with a thousand anonymous strangers is is a way better experience than just just watching the thing directly so yes there were there were lots of in jokes this yep. time around for this video which was inevitable my absolute favorite is what was the top comment when I went to take a look, which is how somebody noticed that the ad at the end of the video, you introduce it by saying, this episode has been brought to you by. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it just shows like where your brain has been for the last four months, which is just making podcasts and not. I, I, I disagree with that. It's oh, an yeah? episode of Grey Explains. That's what it is. That's but you've never done that before. Like I don't, I think that you're just trying to get out of this one, my friend. There's prior art on that. Yeah, it's it's an episode of Grey Explains. I don't buy it. I think mm -hmm. that you 100 percent were just used to doing podcast ads, and you just put a podcast ad in at the end of the video. You just were in a completely wrong mindset for it. I think it's hilarious. I disagree. Disagree. This episode of the YouTube podcast that I make. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. It makes perfect sense. How long have you been working on this video for? Like, how long did it actually take to to put this one together? That is an interesting question. Let me look at my calendar here. The first draft of this video was done in the beginning of February. Okay. And I know that because this is when I was in Amsterdam. It's the product of a graycation, this video. It is totally a product of a graycation, this video. Uh, as regular listeners know, uh, I do like to go away to try to do like focused on solid work and I was having trouble writing and I took a vacation to go to Amsterdam and I was working on something else that I thought was going to be the next video but I was having a really hard time with it and it wasn't going anywhere and at some point in that trip I just 
wrote a very rough draft of the thing that would become this video. And then over the next few weeks realized, oh, I think this is the thing that I should work on. And I stopped working on the other project and instead shifted focus to to this one. So that's the starting point of this. If you haven't seen it, this video is about the social security number in the US and what that means and where it came from. And uh, I guess, I mean, I took from it, it's like why it is fatally flawed as an, a, a means of identification. We have something in the UK called the National Insurance Number. Yeah, yeah. Which is very similar, but it's not used. And in ours actually says, it's got printed on it, that it is not a form of identification. So the UK kind of stuck to that. As a thing, as opposed to, I, I really, I, some of the animation in this is just so good. Like a lot of the jokes in this one, really, really good. So it was either you or your animator, someone was having a good day. Like there was a lot of really funny stuff in this one that I enjoyed a lot. I think my favorite part is uh, the caveman talking to the dinosaur, calls, the dinosaur's called Bruno. That just really got me, man. <laughs> Why is the dinosaur called Bruno? It doesn't matter, but I love it. Uh, you have to ask the animator. That was it. that was his joke. Oh, really? I'm pleased that I'm pleased that kind of stuff's happening, though. Yeah, no, it's, this is the collaboration. There was a lot of really good humor in this one. Yeah, it's working well. I'm I'm glad you liked it. I'm I'm sort of frankly baffled as to why anyone outside of the United States would have any interest in this video at all because it's such a. Oh well, you see, let me tell you, <laughs> because <laughs> sometimes okay, look, I love the United States of America. Right, mm-hmm. I love all of the people within it. I love the culture. I love the place. I love everything. But when you live outside of the U.S., any time that you can see that the U.S. has done something that's kind of silly mm-hmm. and stupid, mm-hmm. there is an enjoyment in that to be had by people outside of the U.S. Ah, okay. Hmm. It's like ah, look at you now. That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I particularly liked uh, the eagle sound when the passport was. You know, you, you, there was like a bald eagle noise yeah, you know, yeah. screech that, in the background. I spent a lot of time going through sound effects of eagles <laughs> trying to find just the right one for that. And I was like, that that was a very last minute addition. That was, I think that was actually the morning of I decided to put that in. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, yeah, very last minute was that eagle sound. Those kinds of things really appeal to non-Americans, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, okay. I guess, I guess that makes some, some sense then. I, I figured this would be a video with much more narrow appeal but i'm looking through the the demographics from the live feed stuff i'm like why is anybody not in america watching this video i don't understand well i mean talking about appeal i always like to do this it looks like it's doing very well as we record it's like oh like like it's kind of close closing in on 1.5 million views or something it looks like it would do but even by the time we're done recording yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty surprised this is that pent-up demand man you know (laughs) People just waiting for that gray video, hitting the bell, waiting for you to come, you know? Hitting the bell. The little subscribe bell. Do you not know about this? Oh, oh, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Bell me, I think, is the phrase that is used on YouTube a lot now. Bell me, bro. Bell me, bro. (laughs) This is a, uh, this is like a second level of notification for YouTube. Like you have to explicitly ask it to tell you about every video of certain creators. This this is part of the evolution of what does a subscriber mean? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, It's like, yes, they transition subscribers into meaning nothing. And so then needed to add an additional layer on top, which would take over the role of what subscribing used to mean. Yep. Which I actually don't think is the craziest of systems. It it just, the word subscriber now means, like that, that word doesn't match anymore. You know, it, it should really just be like on Facebook. It should just be a, you like this channel, right? That's That would be more 
appropriate terminology for what's actually occurring. That's a really good way of putting it. Because that is like how Facebook works. I mean, but then you have the problem that I'm sure YouTube would love where they're like hold people at ransom, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Only so many people saw this. If you just give us a little bit of money, everyone yeah. that wanted to see it can see it. Yeah, <laughs> that that right there is the reason why I really don't use Facebook is I just, I, I deeply resent that their business practice is based around holding your audience at ransom yeah. for you. Right. That's that's fundamentally what it is. And it's why I don't invest a lot of time in that platform, because it, yep. it feels like I'm investing. I'm investing in my own jailer. Right. <laughs> it's like your own jailer will make, make you a bigger jail. So it's like, yes, but I, like I have a more foundational problem with his relationship. Right. <laughs> I don't I don't really want to put more time into this because it's like with YouTube. You just I think the assumption is just all oh, the system's useless, which is why everybody doesn't see everything. Mm-hmm. But with Facebook, it's like. Are they purposefully doing this? Like they purposefully hold the content back from all of the people that like a page so that the page creator will pay to kind of effectively advertise their own content out to their subscribers? Like it's like just I get that. It's just like a just such a displeasure for it that I don't want to be involved in it. Yeah. I I, I'm like I don't mean that as an overblown metaphor. It really does feel like investing in my own jailer, uh, the, the Facebook thing. It just it just feels like I am helping someone with whom I have an antagonistic relationship. Yep. And even if that makes me better off, I'd rather not be involved in this. <laughs> right? That's that's the problem there. Yep. Like I'm just as we both do better, I am only but giving you more and more power over me. It's, it's like no thanks. Bell me everybody if mm-hmm. you're a subscriber to the YouTube channel so you can be notified. You know, don't worry. I'm not going to flood you with notifications. No, I mean, be. like, about one every six months, I think, you can, yeah. you can bank on. Turns out I did bell you. I didn't know that I'd belled you, but I had belled you. Oh. Did you get the notification on your phone? Yeah. But, I mean, I was just on the, your page now, and I clicked the bell button, and it was already it was already belled. So oh. you've already been belled by me, so. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Maybe I can bell your second channel, too. High-quality content over there. So you're back in style, though, right? Like over a million views in in like twelve hours. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm I'm sitting here deeply surprised because uh, I, I really did expect that this was going to be a kind of narrow interest video. Just maybe people don't know until they start it, though, right? Yeah, it's it's very possible. It could just be people are are freaking out and like, oh my god, there's a new video, and just clicking on it. I'm starved for this content. It could be anything. Yeah, it's just like CGP Gray upload. Why I hate your mum. All right, well, I mean, <laughs> I guess I got to do something. <laughs> it seems like a dramatic shift in content, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of point to it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to see in a couple of days when I get the uh, audience retention graph. Uh-huh. I'll be curious to see if that is wildly different from other videos. Because it actually, it, I wouldn't be super surprised if it is. Although the only thing I can say there is, how to put this, I've had a number of conversations that have convinced me of the great importance of the algorithm in terms of, of how many subscribers see your thing. Like It's a thing you always know, but I feel very convinced about this. Uh, and that I'm going to I'm going to be pretty confident that the drop off rate isn't really dramatic because I think if it was it wouldn't be getting pushed out to my subscribers. I think it would it would be buried very quickly by the YouTube algorithm if people right. were clicking. You wouldn't and have going. hit 1.2 million views if it was about to drop off a cliff in 2 days. Yeah. Right? It's what you're saying. 
Th- yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. It never would have gotten to this point because of because of those some of those conversations that I've had. I was actually thinking before I uploaded this that this might this might be the video that I upload and it just does terribly, like because the algorithm doesn't recommend it. So I I, I was kind of prepared to be sitting at like a hundred or two hundred thousand views a month from now. Right for a thing, if like if the algorithm just says like oh people are hitting it and and abandoning it immediately because it's too narrow focused, mm-hmm. so I, I will I will say I am quite relieved that that is that seems to not be the case. I do wonder if like you could be in a place where you're tricking the algorithm though, because you have so many other funnels that you push people to that the algorithm thinks that it's a video people are looking for, so it pumps it up anyway. Yeah, it might be the case. If you're at YouTube, don't listen to this. Yeah, don't listen, YouTube. <laughs> you don't. You don't need to adjust anything. The system's working just fine. Just skip ahead just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Skip ahead. We'll complain about some stuff later. You can listen to that, but yeah. you know this part. Don't listen to. Because I just assume with like your mailing list and like Twitter and the Reddit, and then you know, because you, your videos always end up climbing Reddit a bit. I think because you have such an active subreddit, they seem to to bubble up to the front page quite a lot, right? Yeah, they do. They tend to do well on Reddit. Uh, and that, I'm sure, pushes a lot of people into the video, which I'm, I assume inflates it in the algorithm anyway. Yeah, I just... I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like I used to be much more on that side. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll just say, like, I, th- I think some... I have been given the impression that this has... Something has changed in YouTube, that the the external factors are mattering less Mm. than they may have in the past. And it's much more a game of seeing what the retention is very quickly, that that there's like a system that tries to predict in advance if this video is going to be a good video very quickly based on the initial responses. With the retention though, I, I do wonder if that like, again, with the nature of the way that you make videos, which is different to most people that, because you make so few, if people enjoy your content, they'll just watch it. Because if some like let's let's imagine you have two hundred and fifty thousand people, right, that mm-hmm. are really big fans and will just watch the videos because you made them, mm-hmm. and because there's so few of them that like they may as well watch it all because that's what they're going to get for a couple of months, right? Like you assume that there is a portion of your audience that know this about you, mm-hmm. that maybe again that's also tricking the algorithm. Because your your initial retention figures are good, because those people were just watching it anyway. Because I've always thinking they'd be waiting for four months. They may as well, <laughs> they may as well finish these next four minutes, you know. Because otherwise, <laughs> what are they going to do? Yeah, I, I guess what you're saying here is I've trained my audience not to be picky. <laughs> I think there's got to be a percentage of people that are that way, right? They will just watch it because it's always going to be an, an element of entertainment whether they care about the thing that it's about or not. Mm, right? Maybe. Like, I feel like I am in that place with your videos. I find them entertaining, that I'll watch them, I don't care what they're about. It's like, no, I see this one and be like, ah, uh, social security, I mean, I don't really care about that. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the next one. And, you know, my beard will go a little bit grayer and, <laughs> and then I'll just get the next one. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just see it. And it's like, well, it's, I see it as entertainment. I'm not, like, waiting for CGB Grey to teach me something I need. Yeah, yeah, I I view the videos very much in that category as well. It, it's interesting you say that though, because that does relate to perhaps my the favorite kind of comment 
that I get is when when I do see people leave a comment saying that they watched a video about a topic on which they thought that they had absolutely no interest at all and and still found it interesting. I I think I feel that way about most of your videos. Like a lot of the stuff that you make, it's just not a thing that I'm interested in, right? Because I think a lot of our base interests are very different. Like Mm -hmm. I've watched your Star Trek video and I found it very interesting. And I've seen like one Star Trek movie and maybe two episodes of the TV show. Like I'm not interested Mm. in Star Trek. You know, like the Lord of the Rings videos. I don't care about the Lord of the Rings, but I've watched the videos. Yeah, maybe maybe you have a point there. And then maybe that is that is related to the kind of comment that I find most satisfying in terms of feedback. And people yeah. are like, Yeah, this thing sounded really boring, uh, but it, it turns out that like you've you've made it interesting to to hear about a, a social security number, yeah. an ID number in a country in which I don't reside. Well, I mean, so. that that is what you do, though, right? Like, it's why it takes so long to make the videos, because you have to make them interesting. Mm. You could make way more if you were just, like, not worrying about the entertainment aspect of it, you know? But I think you do a really good job. Your talent is in that you're able to make these things interesting, whether someone's interested in them or not. But that's why they also take two months to make each one of them. Yeah, so I guess that's my specialty, boring topics. Making boring <laughs> topics fun. This is the next tagline. I'm I'm re- I'm just trying to rebrand you. Oh, okay. You know, like I'm getting really good at, at the the new taglines for your channel. It's just like really boring stuff that's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Good. CGB right. great. I like that. CGB great. Perfect. <laughs> this video has been brought to you by Hover. When you have a great idea for your side project, you need to give it a great domain name. And finding that perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. Hover has over 400 domain extensions to end your domain with. All the classics that you're used to, the .coms, the .nets, plus all the fun, crazy, jokey domains. Once you pick what you need, you can use it to get an on-brand or professional email address so that you're not contacting people with your at Hotmail email address. That doesn't look very good, does it? No, you have a domain name. You want to be able to send email from that domain Hover lets you do this, and it will work with whatever email program you're already using. And if you need any help at all, Hover's awesome support team is there to give you a hand. Give them a call, and an actual person will pick up the phone and answer whatever questions you have. No annoying phone trees or being transferred from one department to another. So whatever the idea is that you have in your head for your side project, go to hover.com slash cortex to grab the perfect domain name for it. And when you go to hover.com slash cortex, you'll find out more and get 10% off your first purchase. Once again, that's hover.com slash cortex to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. We were talking last time about my feeling of whether my Switch video was good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're sitting on it, honing it, honing it. <laughs> Got to put it out there. And you said that you sometimes feel like that. I imagine this one, there, there surely was some extra pressure on you. Oh my! Oh, oh Mike! When when you were talking about that, I just I was oh thinking God, about was this video inside. <laughs> in the back, like, because because I, I thought I I just kept thinking like we're gonna have this conversation again, you know, whenever this this video goes up because yeah. I think that there's a few things going on here, but this this is a video that it's it's 
fine. Like we were talking about last time in the Parade of Failures episode, how you can see like flaws in your own stuff. Yeah. And this is a video in which I can just see a thousand things that I would that I would want to change. Like it's 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 a funny thing, but the, like even the fact that the video is, I think the the running time is something like seven minutes of me talking about stuff. And that's an indication to me of like, this video is too long, right? If I had another few weeks to work on it, I could get this down to five minutes. Like yeah. this, this to me feels like it should be a five minute video. That is quite a long video for yeah. you, right? Like it, if a video goes over five minutes, it tends to be a bigger topic than this. Yeah. And, and, and this, this is exactly the thing. It's like, you know, it, it is that old joke of like, it takes, it takes longer to write a shorter letter. Like this is exactly the thing. It takes longer to make a shorter video. And it's, it's this one. And it was also the death and dynasties video is the same thing of like, they're both around seven minutes, which to me feels like a, it's good enough. Like you were talking with your switch video last time, like it's, it's good enough. And it starts to get into the questions of how long do you want to spend on this before actually getting it uploaded? And the death and dynasties one was an example of, I wanted that one to go up relatively quickly after the rules for rulers, because I, I felt like it was an important little follow-up and it had to be timed in a very particular way for the election. No, no further comment on that. <laughs> Interpret that however, however you wish uh-huh. that I chose to upload that the day before rather than the day after the election. But anyway, moving right along. And then this one is, it was a similar thing of just simply the sheer amount of time it has been since I uploaded something before, right? And combine that with what I'm thinking is going to be a relatively narrow interest topic. It's like, you have spent many weeks on this already. Is it really worth it to maybe spend two or three more weeks trying to shave down two minutes off of this video? You were not, you know, you were, you knew you were not making a magnum opus. Exactly, yeah. This wasn't like a humans did not apply, right? Like this, this yeah, video wasn't, you know, intended to be a big deal. Right. So that that's why when you were having that conversation about your Switch video, like this, this is all that was running through my head was like, I am in the middle of this exact calculation right now of what point do you stop working on a thing and publish it? And... There's, there's an additional difficulty here, which is just talk, talking behind the, the scenes of how this video got produced, is that it, it's actually the script that ended up being the thing that I'm talking about was actually only made in the second half of the writing phase. So the thing that I started in Amsterdam was a video that was very narrowly focused on just the number and a lot to do with the digits and like the patterns of the digits and, and what do all of these things mean. But three weeks into working on that, I, I realized like this, this does not work as a video, but I've kept pulling in all of these other things that were related to it. And so this is also a case of where I feel like I ended up with a kind of Frankenstein's monster video about is it about the card or is it about the number? Like, I feel like that's a lot less smooth than it could have otherwise been because the original video had nothing to do with the card. It was entirely the number. But then I kept accreting all of these things that I thought were interesting around the card or around the system and ended up kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and cutting down to essentially nothing what I had spent the first several weeks on. So it's it's it was an interesting process. 
and I'm relieved that it's over. <laughs> Very relieved it's over. So when you were doing these on your own, I assume that it was easier to keep working and working and refining and refining and improving mm-hmm. because all you were doing was just making more work for yourself. I ass- My assumption would be that when you're working with somebody else, you may not continue to give them all the tiny, tiny, minute changes because you have to keep asking somebody to do it, right? Do you see where well, I'm going with that? I know where you're going with this, but the the thing that I have been doing so far with the animator, and there's, there's another video um, which I started in November, uh, which hopefully will be up in a month or two, uh, which has been going through the same process, is... Basically, the animations don't happen until the last possible second. So any real animation does not occur until I have recorded the audio. That makes a lot of sense. But there's a lot that can be done ahead of time. Illustration rather than animation, right? I assume. Yeah, so there's a lot of storyboarding that can be done. And in particular, there's a lot of asset creation that can be done. So what I'm trying to do is is let the animator know, like, we're going to need teachers. We're going to need firefighters. We're going to need an Amish guy. Right? We're going to need these things. We're going to need these things. And if we only end up using half of the assets that are created, that's not, that's not a terrible loss. And it means that if we have more than is necessary, like, it, it helps in the animation phase later. So I'd have to look at the actual calendar but I, I think this was maybe 10 calendar days of of real like i have recorded the audio go like we're going right. to animate it now right um it's a, some somewhere around there but nonetheless the animator has been working on assets since almost the very beginning when i started writing a thing I'm like i'm pretty sure we're going to do a social security video just start drawing social security cards and we'll figure it out later <laughs> Did you feel like an extra pressure, I don't know whether to the audience or to the business, like, because there's been such a big break. Was there, like, additional pressure than just the usual pressures? I was trying to tell myself that there wasn't, but obviously I think there is. I think there really is a feeling of... Like, I can see it in the feedback that if if I go dark for a while, people start assuming that I'm working on something really big. That makes sense. Like, it does make sense from an audience member perspective. And occasionally that has happened. There's been a bigger video after a bigger break. And so I do know that there there is some kind of audience inbuilt expectation for that. And yeah, it, it does make it harder. But... I did very much try to ignore that, and I was expecting that this video would go very much counter to the pattern. Like, I was not expecting this video to do super well, and so I'm, like, I'm prepared to go against that pattern to not feel like I have to have a big, long, amazing video that appeals to the entire audience. Uh, like, I'm, I'm willing to do something that, that I'm risking being much smaller and doing much less well than on average. So... I'm able to risk going against the normal pattern. But yeah, without a doubt, I think when it, when it gets to be a longer time between videos, there there is more expectation and pressure that the next video is going to be larger. But 
it's, it's like, well, I can't change the fact that that's not always going to work. So I, I try to ignore that. But in my hearts of hearts, like I wish I had some three hour long video that I had released, right? Of like, look at this thing. It's amazing, right? But that's that's just not the way it's going to work out all the time. Why make that risk? Like why, you know, you say like you're okay with making the risk of, of choosing to do a video that might not have the broadest appeal. But like, why would you make that risk? Why not? I mean, you know, as easy as it would be. Why not do something or make the choice <laughs> to do something that has a wider appeal? Like, why would you settle on that and be like, okay, I'm fine to make this risk? I think there's a part of me which is very happy to go against expectations as well. <laughs> like, there's the, yeah. there's a there's a part of me which is which sees a real upside in actually potentially releasing a thing that doesn't match expectations after a real big break. Because then it's like precedent setting, right? Like, hey, CGB Grey might disappear yeah. for a couple months and you're going to get a video on a detail of a bureaucratic system that you're not involved in. Like that, like don't, don't, it feels like it's helping out future me by not setting expectations. Yeah, this is, this is a big thing for you. This is, <laughs> what you, this is what? a thing. You do this. I know this of you, like this, this idea of like trying to set the expectation that there is no expectations that are set. Mm-hmm. Like that is the, ex- the expectation you want to set is that there isn't any. Exactly. Perfect. That is, that is nailed it. Yeah, it's like, that's what it's I want. like the only rule is there's no rules. Yes. That kind exactly. Of exactly. I mean, I think again, we, we touched on this last time, but it's, it's the same thing with like expectations about what the topics my videos cover. And I always feel like my videos cover things that interest me. Like I'm making videos that interest me. That's all it is. If you're seeing a pattern, that's in your mind. That's on you, right? That's not on me. Uh, so yeah, I think I think you're right there, Mike. That there is definitely a. I don't mind trying to nail home that there's no expectation with regards to schedule or topic or or video quality or or whatever. Right? It's just like there's just going to be things sometimes, and sometimes there's not. It's another new tagline for the channel. We don't need more taglines. <laughs> it's like a paragraph of text that sits on, on the banner of the image. Yeah, starts out with, okay, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I need to set some ground rules here. You should know what you're getting into. And it finishes, <laughs> just bell me, bro. Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by Casper, the company focused on sleep that has gone ahead and created the perfect mattress. It will sell it directly to you and eliminate those commission-driven inflated prices. Casper's in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing their mattress. He has a sleek design and is delivered in an impossibly small box, so you can very easily get it up the stairs. Casper now offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets as well. Their mattress is made of supportive memory foam. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce, and its breathable design helps to regulate your temperature throughout the night. It is obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price because casper have been able to go ahead and eliminate those showrooms they're able to pass those savings directly on to you all of casper's mattresses are quality and they are designed and developed in america buying a casper mattress online is completely risk-free yes it is risk-free because they offer a free delivery and free return to the u.s canada and now the uk as well with a 100 night 
home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. You should be able to sleep on that mattress. Know that it's right for you. Feel comfortable in it. Make sure that you have your best dreams in it before you go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to sleep on this for the next third of my life. So you get that 100 night home trial so you can truly give it a go. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash cortex and using the code cortex. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their continued support of this show. Is the thing I want to talk to you about. Yeah. We have spoken at length about one of our favorite iOS applications, which is called Workflow. And Workflow mm. enables you to, if you have an iOS device, to create little actions. They chain together other applications. They talk to APIs. It's a way for you to kind of automate some stuff on your devices. Listen to, you, listen to your boring explanation there, Mike. Do you know what Workflow allows you to do? What does it do? It allows you to use your iPad like a professional device. Yes. It is, okay. it is the key tool mm-hmm. that allows you to use your iPad mm-hmm. like a professional would. That's what Workflow is. And Vital, <laughs> irreplaceable yes. tool. We are in a situation right now where either the best thing or the worst thing has happened. And there is literally no way to know in which direction this is going to go. Because Apple has bought the company that makes it. Hmm. So we are sitting right now at a crossroads in which either Apple takes this application, then this team, to build something like Workflow native to the platform. Like it's it, it has it hooks deep within the heart of iOS and maybe macOS. Or they just really like this team and they're just gonna go work on something else and workflow, which is currently available and now free, so you should Try it if you've never played of it before. Um, that will just kind of wither on the vine. Well, I think we can take heart in the great history of software acquisitions in the modern world. I think we can all agree that when a big company acquires a small company, it has always been... For the best. N- for the best, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, you know, they're usually sunsetted and sunsets are nice. You know, yeah. You, sit, yeah. you you can enjoy a sunset. Yeah, yeah. Say so, what? What would you say? Eighty percent of acquisitions, the result is the product acquired lingers for a while with software updates in doubt, and then eventually just dies, and the team who creates it is absorbed within the larger monstrosity. And then the, those people wait until their contracts up and their shares vest. And then they leave the big company and start their own thing with the money that they made. Right. Tends to be how it goes. Yeah. That seems like 80% of acquisitions. Yeah. So I've been going through the grieving process about this, (laughs) honestly. It's been a really weird week or two for me Mm -hmm. because I have like, I've gone through sadness and anger and bargaining. I've, I've been going through all of this. Because I really like to work on iOS, right? It's a mm-hmm. it's a big thing for me. And and you nailed it in saying that like if you want to work on iOS, you kinda have to have this application. Because there's some stuff that you just can't do otherwise. Yeah. There were there were two changes that made working on an iPad a a real laptop replacement for a lot of people. And they were split screen multitasking. And the existence of the workflow app. I, I think those two things mm-hmm. 
together are the key that changed the way iOS and the way iPads work for a lot of people. They've made it possible to replace a laptop or replace a computer for a large portion of your work. And there isn't anything that replaces workflow. No. There isn't another application. I mean, if, if it went away, the way that you would replace it is by doing things slower and or in a more cumbersome way, right? Using two or three applications in strange ways to try and replace one. Mm-hmm. And it's a concern for me, um, and this is just something that's been on my mind a lot recently, about not being in control of things that you rely on. I mean, there's a huge one for you, which is YouTube, right? You know, we mm-hmm. spoke about this so many times. I mean, and there's been all these stories recently of big companies pulling out of YouTube ad buys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's that's a huge thing, right? Like you have absolutely no control over that part of your business. And, there's, and then it just comes down all the way to these little tools that enable us to format Markdown in such a way that it can be easily emailed, right? Mm-hmm. These are things that we rely on that we can't control. I mean, we were talking about Trello. You know, mm-hmm. Trello's been bought recently. I mean, Trello is an app that we both use a lot for specific things, but that might go away. And I'm kind of in this like, am I am I going off the grid here? Is that what I'm doing? Like, do I need to live off my own land? Like, where are we going with this? Yeah, I mean, th- this is like this is always the problem, right? That you rely on things and they become vital. And then you realize that you are open to a certain kind of vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? And and this is this is actually just what we were talking about with Facebook earlier, right? Like you, you you achieve a lot of success on Facebook, but then suddenly you're actually quite vulnerable to Facebook and and the way things happen. And it can be the same way with tools. Like and and what tools do you invest your time and energy and effort into? And then once you've done that, you become at the mercy of the producers of those tools. And I just think like the workflow acquisition is particularly concerning because it is this glue that works with a whole bunch of other tools. Like it is a, it is a meta tool that makes all the other tools more useful. Uh, And I think that, that that is part of the reason why it is, I would say extremely concerning that it has been required. Well, the other part is who they were bought by makes it even worse because they were bought by a company that won't let anybody talk about anything. If Google bought Workflow, there probably would have been a post on the Workflow blog at least trying to give us some false hope. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. (laughs) But with Apple, it's like nothing. Yeah, I mean... Like speaking of relying on tools, like there is also a meta conversation around this that is about relying on Apple and the things things that Apple produces just in general oh. as as like the most foundational level of the tools that you rely upon. Right? It's like workflows up here at the top, right? But at the bottom is like I need to buy a piece of aluminum and glass that I'm going to work on, right? And in some form or another from some company and being invested in, in yeah. the Apple ecosystem is is that kind of thing. Let's put a pin in that for a moment. Because <laughs> I have lots of thoughts about that too, and I'm sure you do, um, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole yet. 
No, we could we could go down that. It's but it's so wide and inviting, Mike. This rabbit hole. So let's just. I mean, we'll just mark it on the map, and we can okay. come back to that rabbit hole we'll later. We'll return to that later. I have. I've. I've been thinking about this idea of, of, of reliance on on things we can't control, and I have a question for you. Right. Mm-hmm. I've tried to boil this down into a question. Is it better to just use simple tools, or to take advantage of complex ones, which allow you to build more productive systems? with the risk of potentially losing them. So, like, if we stuck to just really basic tools, it's more easily replaceable. Like, mm-hmm. If everything that we do is just basic spreadsheets, basic text, you can put them anywhere. Mm-hmm. But when you start using automation systems, Zapier and IFTTT and Workflow, to create more robust and powerful systems you open yourself up to the danger of these things going away. So is it better? It's like, is it better to have loved and lost and never to have loved at all? That's basically the question that I'm asking. I, mean, I don't know. I feel like you're asking a question about how civilization works here without yeah, realizing. It's, like, so. <laughs> it's like, look, you know, as, as, as we progress in civilization, you keep using more and more complex tools upon which you rely fantastically more and you have no control over. Like, right? what if this electricity is... went away? <laughs> right. Yeah, but you, just you know, like this is this is actually like the meta question here is like we're, we're moving up the stack of technological development. <laughs> it's like, do you know what you rely on? Logistic chains, right, in the world to bring you food. Otherwise, you starve to death. But we can. I think it is possible to boil it down to like this discussion we've been having for weeks about automation. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that stuff. We just want to because we enjoy it and it makes our working lives a little bit more pleasant. But we were doing all of the things that we were doing before and if we just keep doing them, it's easier to replace them because we're used to just doing them that way. But once you start building these complex systems, you end up with more ways that they can break. I think this is very context-dependent, right? And it's it's like, uh, you know, it's it's like that quote, like, Things should be as simple as possible, but no simpler. All right, which is like, oh, great, helpful, thank you. I feel that way about the tools. Like, I generally prefer simpler tools over complex tools. Like, like for like for example, in terms of um, just thinking of like my writing environment. This is a case where I have for, I mean, for all of my writing life now, greatly preferred the option where I can have a bunch of text files in Dropbox, and they will sync with whatever program I'm using to do my text editing. And that always, to me, feels like, this is what I want. I don't want to end up getting caught up and held hostage to the ecosystem of of one app for writing. Because the writing is so foundationally important that I need to be able to switch my tools if something happens. And this is a thing that has paid off tremendously. Uh, like the number of times I have switched Dropbox enabled markdown editors is large, uh, often because like they just stop being developed right? or there's a there's a change in a feature that that uh, bothers me and then I can switch to something else. So, so that's a case where it's like, yes, for something that's super important, I do prefer to try to keep it simple and also swappable. Uh, and it's it's why, for example, like, I played around with Scrivener on iOS as as a writing environment, 
as like it's it's a good app like i can you know it seems like it's a great way to write i know a lot of people really like it but there's something about being really heavyweight and like locked into their system which i don't like being on the other side of that equation like oh now i am dependent on scrivener i am not using them as a tool to get a thing done but that is not always a possibility like like for example um there's no version of, oh, I have a bunch of text files and I'm just using a writing editing app for animation, right? Or, or video production. Like what, at some point you have to just say, I'm going to pick a complex tool and I'm going to learn and invest a whole bunch of time in it and end up being kind of held hostage to that tool because there's simply no, there's simply no other option at certain levels of complexity. Final Cut is a good example of that, right? This is the perfect example of it. The, the previous version of Final Cut, everybody learned, professionals were using, and then Apple burned it down to the ground and rebuilt it, and, and it was completely mm-hmm. different, and it was missing a lot of functions, and it made people really upset. Mm-hmm. Which was, coincidentally, the exact time that I transitioned to Final Same, Cut. Because right? then Final Cut <laughs> became useful to somebody that didn't know how to use it already. Yeah, I, I remember that very well. Like, I was using iMovie before then, and then they're like, and I heard all these things, like all these people are complaining that Final Cut was totally redone and made simpler and they hate it. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds great. This sounds like the perfect time to transition to a better tool. Uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, fast forward several years and it's like, I, I have mad Final Cut skills that I am reluctant to give up, right? To, to switch over to something like Adobe Premiere Pro. But but now it's like I am also held hostage to the development pace and tools of Final Cut. But like I said, I think at a certain level of complexity, it's just totally, is totally unavoidable. Or or even if if we move away from software, like like with the YouTube thing, there is a level of held hostageness that is simply unavoidable. Like if 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 you want to make videos that are seen by a bunch of people, there is only one option. Right? Like, like you, you're going to put those videos up on YouTube. That is, that is the, the unambiguous, only serious contender today for doing that kind of thing. And so it's like, well, you're going to have to use that tool. You simply have no other option. I've been thinking about this with people too. Mm-hmm. Like when you hire someone, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Uh, you you start to build systems with them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if that person leaves, you have to start over again. Like you're back to doing it. The, the system goes away. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about that? Like when you're thinking about your 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 assistant or mm-hmm. your animator, like you've been working with these people, especially your assistant for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, if they went away, like you would have to take all that back again. That would not be a fun time. No. I mean, because <laughs> right? then you have to find somebody else and then it's like you have to start over with them and train them and then realize that your assistant was doing things and you don't know how to do them <laughs> <laughs> because they're better than you, you know? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is the case. You know, I, I think there's... This is also like a uh, a scale issue, right? That when when companies get very large, right? Like like a company that you worked at, it's more fundamental that the people are more replaceable. But as you get down to smaller and smaller groups, I think changing out any of the individual members has more and more of an impact, right? That it's like, 
Yeah. When there's four people working together, the particulars of those individuals are absolutely vital. Uh, but any company that has a thousand people working together, the overall structure and process has to be the thing that matters because yeah. there's some amount of turnover that is simply unavoidable at every at every level. It just has to be built in. The individual skills just come out in the wash. Exactly. So so I, I like I was kind of I was half joking when I said I think you're asking a question about civilization here, but I'm really not because I think there isn't an answer to this question that is separable from what level of complexity are you working at? And at certain levels of complexity, there is just there is just a single solution of the of the way to do this. Like if you have three people working together, there's no way to make those people not vitally important and quickly replaceable, right? And if you have a thousand people working together, it's almost impossible to have one individual who is absolutely irreplaceable in that system. Like it's just, I think it's just the, like it falls out of the nature of the thing. And that, that applies to people. It applies to companies. It applies to the tools and tasks in your life. And it applies to civilization as a whole. Yeah, but I don't, I know you want to feel like you have a choice here, Mike, but I really don't think you do, I guess is what I'm, what I'm trying to get at, <laughs> right? I just, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that I can't be prepared for it fully. You know, that like any of these sorts of changes, like an app that I use a lot or a mm-hmm. web service that I really use or a person, that any of those things going away or changing fundamentally... I can't be prepared for it. Like it's always mm-hmm. going to be like we go back to the stone age and we have to start civilization up again, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm uncomfortable about that feeling. There's there was just like a, a bunch of things in my life right now, my working life where this is starting to come to a head and it's in hiring someone mm-hmm. and thinking about building systems and realizing how sweet a life it's going to be when there's stuff I don't have to do anymore. But mm-hmm. then thinking about what about the day if I have to take them back again? Right. <laughs> and then oh, also, no, I got rid of these tasks. <laughs> like boomerang tasks. Yeah. And then also an application that is super important for me to continue using a device that I like at risk of going away or being changed so significantly mm-hmm. that it becomes less useful again. And then moving me back to a platform that I don't want to use as much. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, there are just these different strands in my life where I'm like, I have no control. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. Mike's in a hard place, everybody. That's what's Turns going out. On. Turns <laughs> out. What's going on with Mike? You know, uh, but I, I really do think this is, this is like a side effect of, of where you are and where you are with your business. That is, they're like, I'm, I'm here too which is the like you're big enough to be working with a bunch of people but you're not so big that you have processes that totally insulate you from the effect of those people leaving and it's like well that's just a side effect of having a number of people that you're working with that isn't like a hundred or a thousand people that you're working with i think there's no way around that but really the 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 people thing is it's there it's like a thing that i'm thinking about but my biggest concern right now is workflow (laughs) <laughs> right, that right. is my number one concern right now. 
is that application. And it's just like, it's also just been bouncing on some things that I've also been thinking about. But mm-hmm. I'm like, as I am becoming more and more of a programmer and looking at these web automation tools, mm-hmm. like these are all closed systems owned by a company mm-hmm. that could all just go away. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm starting to think every one of these services that I'm using now, stuff like Toggle and mm-hmm. Zapier, I'm like, please let me pay. <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm only starting to bring on these services now if I can pay for them. I honestly think that is a that is a really great criteria, and I feel the exact same way. Uh, it's actually a thing that uh, I, I always had a little draft email to send to the workflow team that I never quite got around to sending, but it was going to be an email saying, "Please turn this app into a subscription service so I can pay you on a regular basis." Right, like. And the reason is, is because if you can pay someone on a regular basis, it means they have a business model, right? And if their business model is to receive subscription money, their yes. incentive is to continue the business going. Yes. If, their, if their business model is, we're free, just come and use us and we'll build a large user base, the only thing that they can do with that, ultimately, is sell the company. Exactly. Because it's very difficult to make enough money at a company that scale in mm-hmm. just advertising unless mm-hmm. you're like Facebook. Right. And none of these services are going to be like a Facebook. Mm-hmm. So the most likely thing is that they either sell their app for $4 one time or they are free. And that means they're probably just going to get bought by somebody else because it's the yeah. exit. Yeah. And and the $4 app is is the thing that, that just has a timeline on it. It's like you can't you can't outrun this fuse forever. That was my concern with Workflow is that they mm-hmm. continued to develop the app so ferociously, mm-hmm. right? There was so much development. It's like, how did my $4 that I gave you two and a half years ago yep. still pay for magic variables? Yep, yep. That, 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 was, that was my thought as well. That's why I had this little draft email in there. Like, please let this be a subscription. And, and I have definitely harassed other developers about this exact same thing where... If it's a tool that I, I deeply rely upon, as like, please turn this into a subscription service. I, I just, I want to pay on a regular basis because then I can feel like our incentives are aligned. Like you provide continual value to me and I provide continual value to you and we're both happy. Like nobody has to be nervous here. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Like ser- services that are free, I'm very cautious of investing highly in them because you just you just know like our incentives are not on the same page here right they may be related but we're not pointing in the exact same arrow i don't really have a sense for what's going to happen to workflow i mean the idea that apple is going to absorb the team and create their own engine their own workflow Mm -hmm. engine to better link applications together is great it falls in line with our campaign platform of automation in every app. Oh, yes, of course. I forgot about that. Right? So that would be amazing. But it's the unknown that I don't like. You know? Yeah. Because I don't know what to do. Do you Do you have a plan? I mean, look, ever since the acquisition has happened, every time I open up Workflow, I feel like I'm just investing in the thing that's dead. Oh, I know, right? Like, I was, I wanted to build any Workflow yesterday. I'm like, is there any point? This yeah, is part yeah. of my grieving process, right? Like, I'm like, is there any point? I'm yeah. working in a, in a deprecated language now. 
yeah that's that's exactly what it what it feels like is like there's a funny thing which i think some people have taken the the fact that apple made the workflow app free as a positive sign and i don't feel that way at all i feel like that's their only move to minimize disgruntledness because you can't complain if they take away something that's free later and it's the way for them to leave it up on the store for people who still use it. It's a better sign than them removing it from sale, which is also a big possibility. I mean, removing it from the store, I honestly don't think that is a that would be a realistic option for Apple to have done. They've done it before. I know that they have done it before, but I think they have they have not done it for like a comparable tool. Right. Like I, re- I really do think that workflow is at a different level for this. And so I, I think if, if they had just removed it from the store, I, I would view that as a, I don't think that was a genuine option. And so then the only thing to do is to make it free, which feels like don't complain about it later if you started using workflow and never paid for it and we took it away, right? Like that's, I, I swear to God, I would feel much better if they kept charging for it. Right? It's like, leave it up oh, as $5. Oh yeah, I mean, that would have been way better. Right, because <laughs> yeah. then nothing changed. Yeah, right. And then, then I could also feel like you are not planning on burning the goodwill of the people who bought your app anytime soon, right? Like that's that's the way that would feel. But free to me feels like a stay of execution until it disappears. That's that's the way free feels like. And yeah, it it does completely change my feeling when I open up the app of like, man. I have invested so many hours in this. Like I have built so many things that are so incredibly useful. And I, I was in the middle of reworking a bunch of the uh, workflows that I had made using magic variables, which are amazing because that those team, that team is a bunch of geniuses. Uh, but it, it did feel like, Oh, why bother? Right? Like it just, just, I'm just waiting for the end. I'm just waiting for the end now. Like, I want to be optimistic, but I'm finding it very difficult to be optimistic about the future of this. You were supposed to help me. What do you mean, what do you mean Mike? <laughs> I was, I wanted you to tell me it was all going to be okay, you know? No, I, I mean, look, I am, I am on the side that even the best case scenario is still not a scenario that I like. Which yeah, is yeah. the best case scenario is workflow like stays as it is and it just becomes absorbed in part of the Apple development world. But then that still means workflow, which, like you said, was being developed at a ferocious pace, now gets tied into some internal Apple release schedule that depends on a whole bunch of other things. And then, you know, th- now it's just like, okay, here is another thing that we are at the mercy of right this like going back to what i'm saying before one of the reasons i really liked workflow is it feels like oh look here are all of the advances in ios that haven't happened in the past two years like there's there's one tool that i can point to which is moving things forward continually in a useful way on an operating system that for iPads has not been moved forward in a useful way in two years, right? And so it's like, okay, you acquired this thing. Is this going to get sucked into your cycle now? So that like whatever delays you're dealing with internally affect everything on the platform. I I have a hard time seeing that as like a great 
option. Like I, I, I really viewed workflow as so beneficial precisely because it wasn't connected to Apple. Like it was a thing that was separate that was able to develop at a great pace in a time when there has been great stagnation. So I, I have no comforting words for you, Mike. I'm sorry. I think we should go we should go take a visit back to that pin we put in the map, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah? You yeah. wanna go back there? This episode of Cortex is brought to you by FreshBooks. Life as a freelancer can be challenging, but our friends at FreshBooks believe that those rewards are worth it and they build tools to make those challenges easier for all of us. We're all racing to get everything that we need done by the end of the day, whether it's editing a podcast, recording a YouTube video, planning out for that meeting you've got the next day, getting that presentation ready and making sure your slides were in order, all whilst trying to tackle a mountain of invoices. The working world has become trickier and trickier as people are finding their own ways to become self-employed. It's changing. The working world is different. There are opportunities now that didn't exist before, but they do now. And we need tools that can work like that. This is why FreshBooks is for you. FreshBooks has been designed from the ground up to work the way that you do. You're going to be able to be more productive and organized whilst also being paid faster. FreshBooks customers get paid up to four days faster than anybody else because they have a ton of online payment options that you can set up in just a couple of clicks. You can build all of your invoices in a WYSIWYG interface, so you'll see those invoices exactly how your client's going to, and you'll get them set up and sent out in less than 30 seconds. I swear by FreshBooks. We have been using it since RealAFM began. We will very soon, probably by the end of this month, be sending our 1,000th invoice with FreshBooks. I cannot recommend this product enough if you send any invoices to anyone. I am very confident that you are going to love it. You shouldn't be dealing with a stack of pages documents anymore or sending things by fax. You should be using FreshBooks. Every invoice you send is able to be tracked. You'll know when somebody's looked at it. You'll know when they haven't. You'll be able to log into FreshBooks and get uh, all of your notifications right there so you you know exactly what's going on with your business and what needs your attention. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to listeners of this show. Just go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex when they ask you, how did you hear about us? Then they'll know that you came to them from this show. Thank you to FreshBooks for their continued support of Cortex and Relay FM. I've spent a lot of my time over the last few months mm-hmm. being concerned and or frustrated with my ecosystem of choice mm-hmm. and i don't really know what to do about that i mean look i'm i'm there with you i find it particularly interesting because i feel like i have i followed apple news for a long time it's a company that i've always been very interested in and i have in conversations almost always found myself on the side of when people are down on apple feeling like ah, oh, you're expecting too much Right, like you, you know, you're expecting magic unicorn stuff all the time. Like, and I think you're it's unreasonable. But I, I feel like in the past two years, I am at the absolute nadir of my feelings towards this company in a way that I never expected to be. And it's it's just interesting to find myself like switched to that greatly against my will. And, and yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It is deeply concerning because this is the foundation upon which 
everything else in my working life rests. And I was, I was actually trying to think this morning, I was walking around, I was trying to think like, what could be more disruptive in my life than switching operating systems? And I think there is literally nothing that could be more disrupting than that. Like I, I was thinking, would moving to China and having to <laughs> learn Mandarin be more disruptive than switching operating systems? And I, I'm convinced the answer is no. Like that would be moving to China would be less disruptive to my life than switching operating systems. Right. So it's like, man, I'm really stuck here. <laughs> I'm really stuck here. I think I kind of follow where you're going with that, because like if you moved to China, mm-hmm. it would make less of a disruption to me. Exactly. Than if you switch to Windows, mm-hmm. because if you switch to Windows, I have to learn how to edit in Adobe Audition. Yeah. If you move to China, we just record at a different hour. Exactly. I do not mean that as an overblown metaphor. I mean that in a literal sense, moving to China would affect my life less than, than switching to Windows, right? Like it, it would make some things in my life near impossible switching to Windows. Like it would cause tremendous difficulty. And that, that's why it is so frustrating. And, it, and not even frustrating, it's like deeply concerning that no matter what Apple tools and products you use, it feels like they have failed to execute on everything for like the past year and a half, mm-hmm. right? It, it's, it's, again, I'm normally the guy who would be on the other side of this and defending and saying like, oh, they release stuff when it's ready. You know, your expectations are too high. Uh, but it's like across the entire product line, it's it's very concerning. It's like related to this, I don't want to get into the whole thing now, but a, a slight thing related to my working environment is I was thinking I there is a space for me to have a, a dual monitor computer setup in my working life. And I was realizing like, how, how would I go about doing this? Like what what is the solution for I want a really powerful computer that I want to be able to attach two screens to. It's like, oh, I have to buy a laptop that I'm going to leave in clamshell mode all the time. And I'm going to buy these two, frankly, super chintzy feeling monitors from LG. It's like, this is a, this is a comical solution to this problem. Uh, it's like, this, this, is, this is no good. Or relatedly, my wife has been using one of my iPad Pros for a while. and. This has been the, like the worst creeping delay because her use of, of uh, my smaller iPad Pro has, has affected my like distribution of where I do work. But I have been thinking for months like, oh, this is just a temporary thing. I'm just going to wait until the next revision of the iPads and then I'm going to like readjust. But, but now it's like, here we are after this was expected. And it's like, well, I've been delaying for several months about what I'm going to do with iPad Pros. And now, now what again? Like, it, it just feels like it's a bad situation for everybody across all of the hardware. We were expecting there to be an iPad Pro so much that in the last episode, I very confidently said that I would be making a video about the next iPad Pro. Yeah. Like, within April. Because mm-hmm. 
just by tradition, you know, traditions that have been set by Apple for many years, they tend to have a cycle of their products. And mm-hmm. the cycles shift, but they tend to be relatively predictable. Mm-hmm. And Apple released some products via a press release, and what they released was incredibly unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, a red version of the iPhone, the current mm-hmm. iPhone, um, and a new iPad, which was a revision in the iPad Air line, the regular line, um, but it's a cheaper iPad. It's it's a great iPad for the iPad product line itself. Mm-hmm. It's a cheaper iPad, can go into more schools, people can buy it. It's good for the iPad. Mm-hmm. But it it lends itself to an argument recently that if you are a, a, a user of Apple's products and you are a professional, it is it, you are feeling increasingly like the company cares less and less about you. Yeah. Um, it's basically, do you have an iPhone? Yeah. If the answer is yes, then we care. Outside of that, you're on your own. Yeah. I, I would say even the iPhone stuff. Well, yeah. We had the conversation last time where we had a disagreement about you know the, the the most disappointing iPhone ever as their iPhone seven. Like I think this is this is also an interesting indication. It's like three years of essentially the same design. It looks and it looks like very likely there's going to be sort of four years of essentially the same design. Maybe. Well, there's an asterisk to that, right? There there is an asterisk to that, but I I still feel like even the iPhone thing doesn't doesn't come as a unadulterated pure win and the other thing that i I do just want to say here is just to be clear it's not it's not only just us setting expectations for ourselves i'll just say like in vague ways what i hear from people who know is that it's it's like consistently slipping and missed deadlines like it it sounds like there's some kind of problem almost within apple about getting stuff done in a in a way that i find confusing and concerning this is this is why like i really was thinking like what could possibly be more disruptive than this and it's like almost almost nothing you know and it's it's not that the tools that we're using now are bad it's not that like things don't work but it's just it's a concern about how are these things going in the future? Like, is, is this something that we can continue to rely on? Or is it not something that we continue to rely on? And the workflow acquisition is like a microcosm of this, this bigger question. And because of the way Apple works, like you just, you just don't know. Like you have no idea what they're up to, what they're doing. But that strategy only works when it's combined with also producing things that people like on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah. Like like the secrecy strategy starts eating itself when you go, you know, three years without an update to your professional computers. Like the, then then the secrecy thing starts eating its own tail and you're in real trouble. So I don't know. Like, like what are your thoughts on this, Mike? <sighs> It was easy for me to make jokes when the Macs were not getting updated mm-hmm. because I was using the iPad. Uh, we were all there. And it we were was all fun. There, it was buddy. fun for me to make jokes uh, mm-hmm. because I assumed that my product line would get its update, uh, but my product line didn't get its update. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I you know, I, I would make jokes at the expense of my friends that really care about the Mac, but I do care about it as well. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm sitting in front of one right now. And I don't want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, you know, I've been an Apple user for over 10 years. Like, this is what I know. I, I know how to use this stuff. And I'm a fan of the company. But ultimately, I am a fan of technology. Yeah. And it has just been that over the last 10 years, in my opinion, the best technology came from Apple. But then I look at something like the Samsung Galaxy S8. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what I want from a phone. Mm -hmm. That looks like what I want. That looks like the phone that we are dreaming about Apple releasing in September. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has been a devout fan of the iPhone for 10 years, that isn't something I expected to say. Mm -hmm. That Samsung, I believe, are probably making the best phone available right now. Mm -hmm. And there was argument that they did it with the Note, but the Note exploded, so Mm -hmm. it kind of took it out of the running. Now, you know, it's easy to make jokes about that, about Samsung's bad management or misfortune, but let's just assume that they fix this problem and this will not happen to the Galaxy S8. Mm-hmm. That is an incredible looking phone. Like, oh, yeah. Everything about it, the software, the design, like the, all of the design that, that they've done. I mean, Samsung has had really poor interface design in the past, but all of the walkthroughs that I've seen, this thing looks stunning. Like, it just looks incredible, all of it. Yeah, it really does. That's what I want. I want that phone. I want mm-hmm. that phone, but I want it to be an iPhone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, like, this is, like, a similar yeah. thing. A similar thing is, like, the Microsoft Surface Studio yeah. that came out, right? We spoke about that. Like, when it that, came was, out. that was totally a moment of, like, am I living in Bizarro Land? This, this should be the computer that Apple is releasing but it isn't this this is the thing it's just it's it's deeply concerning to to see this stuff and to see apple consistently fail to ship or or to just sell stuff that is old like and and we're not talking about like 10 years old right but in technology land the months are exponential right that like this is this is how this counts it's like if if a thing is 18 months old when it's 19 months old, it's twice as old as it was a month ago. Like yeah. this, this is how this actually works in technology land. Like you can't count these things linearly, and it's like other companies move on, and so yeah, it's it's just very concerning across all product lines, and you know, it's like, or or even just like having seen. I, I mean, I really can't think of a single area. With maybe the exception of the watch, where it's like there's there's not really concerns. It's like you know, seeing demonstrations of Alexa versus Siri, right? Or or seeing seeing like I watched a video this morning of um, Android's Auto, right, versus uh, Apple's CarPlay, and it's just like it was just embarrassing to see the Apple version of this, and it's it's making me think like last year when we were, when we were in San Francisco and we were walking around all of, all of those companies and we had that big conversation about like, what are all of these people doing? I really have this same feeling of Apple, like where are all of your resources going? Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, 
Are they all going into the Apple TV and media deals? Like, oh, nope, doesn't look like they're going there. Are they all going into iOS software updates? It's like, well, you couldn't get stickers, your headlining feature to work on all three platforms in a consistent way a year later. So it doesn't seem like they're going there. Like, where is all of your time and attention going, Apple? Like, it's, I I find it confusing and concerning. So here's my feeling about where I am with this right now. We're Mm. we're like two months, two, three months away from Apple's developer conference where they will show what iOS 11 is going to look like. For where I'm feeling right now, this all rides on that. Like, if they show me what I want to see, right, Mm -hmm. which is like big advancements, especially to the iPad, but just like big advancements in iOS to the consumer as well as to the developer, then I will be willing to like write the year off. Mm -hmm. They could have just had a bad year, right? And this is the thing. We'll never know. I mean, because they don't talk about it, right? Like, you know, Apple can fix a lot of this stuff by saying, hey, look, we're working on a new Mac Pro. We're working on new iPad Pros. They're coming this year, mm-hmm. but we sh- we couldn't get them out in 2016 because of X, Y, and Z, right? Like, you know, that that would that would satiate a lot of uh, Apple fans in mm-hmm. in the, the way that they feel, but they won't do it. But if if they can stand on stage in June and show me something that's really awesome, then I can be like, all right, either everyone was working on this, or they just struggled, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason, you know, like or, or like they they're doing something that I like, right? That they're, they're showing me that they still got it, you know. But like, if we get something like stickers again, I mean, and I love the stickers, but it wasn't a massive technological achievement, mm-hmm. right? But like, iMessage apps was like the big consumer feature of of the last version of iOS, and if that's what it is again, I'd be like. Well, what happened in 2016? Like, what mm-hmm. were you doing? And if that's the case, I don't know what I'm going to do, Gray, but like, I know that I have to start thinking about things differently. Like, one of the big problems that I feel is that I'm used to a, a cohesive ecosystem. Mm-hmm. All of my products all talk to each other, they understand each other. They are two different operating systems, but they're run by one company, so they're similar. There isn't anything like that outside mm-hmm. of Apple. I'm going to use a Windows phone? I don't think so. Or I'm going to use a Chromebook? That ain't happening. Mm-hmm. So what, am I going to go to Windows and Android? I don't want to do that. So like, I feel like I'm maybe a bit of a loss right now, but maybe what I end up just doing is I just adjust my expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, My expectations will be adjusted by the end of 2017, and that maybe instead of just thinking like I'm always going to buy the next Apple product... I just adjust it to maybe I just buy whatever technology interests me the most. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of a different feeling about WWDC and and whenever the next Apple event is going to be. Like, I will be happy and excited if Apple releases a bunch of stuff that I really like, obviously. So if, if if there's a big iOS update... Where there's a whole bunch of stuff that I would want, a competent multitasking switcher, perhaps, right? You know, just like amazing things. That's great. I'll be really happy. But I, I feel like there's a real fundamental doubt that has been placed into my head that will not be able to be dislodged until I see semi-regular updates again. Right. And it's 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 a thing 
that has become like a little like a little thought of poison with all the tools. Just just like with the workflow. You open up workflow and you feel like, how long is this going to be around? And even if Apple has an, like a bunch of amazing releases, I'm going to feel in the back of my mind this this doubt of like, oh, okay, this new iPad Pro, this is amazing. Um, is this the is this the iPad Pro for the next two years? Yeah, but I can live with that if that's my expectation. I mean, a lot of mm-hmm. my concerns right now are just because they're not working at the pace I'm used to, or they're not releasing products at the pace I'm used to. But if it ends up being the iPad Pros come every two years, well, that's just how I work. Both of my iPad Pros work completely fine right now. Yeah, I'm able to get my work done on them every day. But my concern is, will it be another two years? Because in another two years, I'm definitely not going to be able to get my work done on them as well. But like, I just need to, for me, I need to have the expectations reset again. That's all. Yeah, but this is this this is sort of what I mean. Like, I need to see some kind of sustained effort. Like, it, I, I think the difference between iOS nine and iOS ten was like a real sort of shock of like, oh, we have all these great features for iPads. And then it's like, oh, and now there's nothing. Because then we were expecting something for the iPad in the spring, software-wise, that yeah. didn't come. And, I, and I'm, I'm just going to, again, I'm just going to add to that. Like, we had very good reason to expect that. And it's like, something happened? Like, what happened? Some kind of failure to execute on the inside? Like, this seems concerning. Like, this seems very concerning. So, so yeah, it's it's just... I don't know. I feel like I, I I will need two Apple release cycles to feel good about it again. And I mean, I even found myself like I couldn't believe I was doing this uh, the other weekend. But I was like, I guess I guess here I am. I, I spent a whole weekend learning uh, Adobe Premiere Pro from the ground up just just because it's like even with Final Cut, like I have this little bit of a feeling of like how how much time and attention is this going to get in, in the future of Apple land? like a, a lot like I, I i don't know i don't know if it's going to get a lot of attention like maybe i should just check out what this other thing is so i have some some anticipatory sense of if i do need to do the thing which is to turn a, a microsoft surface studio into my work production machine like i have an idea of what that is ahead of time uh and it's like i can't i can't believe i'm sitting here learning adobe premiere pro but like this is this is what i'm doing because I'm going to feel a little bit better if I have just like stuck a toe into this water in advance. And and yeah, and that's where we are. I feel like I've spent so much time over the last couple of months talking about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is the, it's the talking point of the time in and amongst people that care about Apple at this deep level. Mm-hmm. And I find myself frustrated that I even talk about this because I know it's frustrating to listen to if you feel the way that we do. Because what you don't want is people telling you that your fears are justified in the same way that a moment ago you couldn't tell me that I didn't have to worry about my systems being broken. Like, So I get it, but like, what are you going to do? I'm not going to say, sit here and say, it's all fine. Like, I'm not going to be that dog in the fire with the, the mug, right? Because it's not fine. Like, if this is something you care about, right now, this is not what it should be. Mm -hmm. 
And it's a case of, you know, there's a couple of outcomes of it. And one of them is just resetting expectations. But I'm willing to accept that. But all I know is right now, my wishes aren't met. My expectations aren't met. Right, we're, we're way past at this point the the magic that Apple can produce, as you were saying. Right, like people getting annoyed because a feature that shouldn't exist it didn't wasn't launched. Mm-hmm. Right, or like people getting annoyed that Apple didn't jump every single company by four years every year. Right, right, yeah. like that sort of stuff. That's not met. I mean, every now and then they do something right, which is why people feel that way about them. But that sort of stuff I can take or leave. Mm-hmm. But it's at the point where it's just. As you say, like what seems to be just an inability to release new versions of their existing product lines, yeah, in a way that actually make the existing customers satisfied. That's a problem. Yeah, you know, at the point where I'm like looking at this Samsung phone and I'm like, I know how how difficult would it be? I mean, the answer is very difficult, right? To to get up and move, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, you're taking away one of my favorite apps. You know, you, you're taking away from me, potentially, one of the applications that keeps me on iOS. So now what am I going to do? One way or another, like the, the very best iOS app in years, you know, is going away in some form, probably. Like, again, trying to look at the branching paths of this. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't look super great. And so it's like, okay, well... Even if you just kind of let workflow linger around for a while, like even that is quite disruptive. <laughs> so you're lowering the bar to other kinds of transitions anyway. But yeah, I'm 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 with you on this. Like like I was watching MKBHD's video on on the this Samsung phone. I'm like, that's an amazing looking phone. You know, the software doesn't look terrible on it. Uh, it's like I guess I guess this is where we are. You know, we're like. Seeing the thing with the Microsoft Studio, like, boy, that looks that looks fantastic. And again, I'm also willing to, we get all the way to September, mm-hmm. right? And Apple unveil this this unicorn iPhone, which looks like this one, but has whatever it has that, that makes Apple fans say that it's better, right? Like, whatever it is that we believe that makes it better than everything else. And also maybe releasing some, this, this, this amazing sounding new iPad that they've been working on. And then I go, it's fine. Because mm-hmm. you did it. Oh, I had to wait too long. I had to get a version of the iPhone that I was unimpressed with, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I had to wait for too long, in my opinion, for my iPad to be updated. But you've given me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Which proves to me you can still do it. And now I'll just assume I have to wait two years. Yeah. Because ultimately, I will take what they give me because I really don't want to have to move to China. Yeah. Right, like, because I I really don't want to have to get up and move away because of how disruptive it will be. Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like we're we gotta have a bargain here. Come on, Tim. Right, like I'll I'll keep doing this, but you just need to throw me a bone once every two years. That's all I ask. It's extra frustrating when I feel like I am I am your ideal customer. Like, you know, I, I will I will spend this money. Just let me know what's what's going on. Even if at the next event, Apple releases Westworld-style sex bots and butlers for everyone, and they're free, right? It's like, oh, this is what we've been working on. Uh, artificial intelligence, indistinguishable from humans. I'll be like, that's pretty impressive. I see where all the resources have gone, 
But there's still going to be something in the back of my mind that's like, okay, but how long until their software is updated? Right? Like I just, I'm going to need to see some regular cycle of improvement before I feel completely better. Even if I get something that is absolutely amazing in the future, I'm going to need a little bit more to to feel better about this situation. Yeah, but what are you going to do? Nothing, nothing. I'm exactly. gonna, there's nothing I can do, right? I'm going to talk sadly into a microphone in my office. That's that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> How you doing over there, buddy? I just, I, it annoys me that I can't help myself with it, you know? It annoys me that we do this topic, but it's it's like, I feel like we've kind of avoided this this topic on this show but at some at some point it becomes unavoidable right it, it becomes a thing that you're just talking around so it was it was eventual that we had to have this conversation and now we've had it and now we will wait <laughs> <laughs> but gray i don't want to end on such a somber note okay because you know there is much there is much good going on <laughs> there is much beauty in the world, Mike. Like, is that what you're trying to tell me here? <laughs> you could go out and smell the flowers. I mean, and one of the great things that exists in the world today is this show. Of course. This very podcast called Cortex. And this is episode 49. Next time is episode 50. Mm. Now, because of our very um, erratic release schedule, we haven't really celebrated much in the way of anniversaries for this show. You know, we didn't celebrate our first birthday. We probably won't celebrate our second. But we have a a milestone episode just around the corner. So I would like to ask our listeners to to give a little bit of participation for episode 50. And I have a few few things that I would like to throw out to them that they could maybe give me some some thought on. Mm -hmm. One thing is there are many people that go back and listen to old episodes. And every now and then... I get tweets and messages from people who find something that me or you said particularly funny or ironic based upon how latter conversations would unfurl. Mm-hmm. So, like, as me and you have changed in our course of working, some things that we said in episode one or two seem a bit ridiculous. So I would like to know, if you have listened to this show and you find something to be a bit off now considering what you know about us now in 2017 i would like to know about that so we could talk about them next time basically how did past us look dumb compared to current us what a great way to put it so future us can laugh or what like what like categoric claims did we make that have turned out to be very silly yeah um also i'm i am also interested in knowing what you have learned or changed because of the show. This is like another thread that we see every now and then where people talk about some things that they do differently, Mm -hmm. um, having listened to me and you talk about the way that we work. So there are just a couple of things that if you have any thoughts to let me know and you can tweet at me. Um, I'm I'm Mike on Twitter, by the way. I am YKE. If you would like to tweet at me, I would be very interested in that. Or you could participate in the in the subreddit, either in the Cortex subreddit or like maybe the um, the the thread for this episode. Just let me know some things, and and we can maybe t- touch on them next time. I think it might be an interesting time to look back on the way that our working lives have changed over the last couple of years of doing this show, and that might be a fun way to do that. 
Sounds good. Help us celebrate. I mean, I, I guess we did We did have a cortex anniversary at one point. Did we? But I think that kind of was sprung on us accidentally, where I think during the recording of the show, I realized that we were a year old. Ah, uh, okay. But this is like a real planned celebration. I promise it won't be a clip show. <laughs> I, I would not let Mike do a clip show. <laughs> I hate clip shows. Un- unless unless it was a phenomenal offer on the table, right? I mean, okay, so I guess let me take that back immediately. I would let Mike do a clip show, but almost certainly this will not be a clip show. It's one of the problems of um, being in a world where we can binge watch TV shows. Mm-hmm. Clip shows stand out now in that. Because you're like, I, I watched that episode like yesterday. <laughs> and you're showing me a clip about it as if it was five years ago. Yeah. When we were watching through Friends, I noticed that abundantly. They loved a clip show. Oh, did they? Oh, I was never yeah. a fan of Friends. Really? Yeah. Interesting. This did, not for me. No, thank you. <laughs> Gray doesn't believe in Friends. <laughs> Sorry. It's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> the whole construct. Yeah. The conceit of your show. These friends, I don't buy it. <laughs> no one, no, nobody would do this. Hang out in people's houses all day? Want to be around people? I don't buy it. Yeah, no. <laughs> so anyway, no Cortex Clip Show. No. But let us know where we were dumb. <laughs> let us know anything that has changed in your mind over the course of listening to the show. <laughs>